several months ago, I was out uh, mowing our lawn, and I was listening to music and having some conversations with God about some teaching series that he wanted us to go through that as a church that he was kind of placing on my heart. And at one point, I stopped and said, okay, I'm done listening to music. I'm going to pull up a podcast, and I started pulling up a podcast today of a church that I follow in California, and it became, uh, a few minutes in, became really clear that I accidentally chose the wrong church, and I accidentally was listening to a podcast that I didn't plan to listen to, you know what I'm saying, right? Accidentally. And as I started listening to this, this podcast, it become a, became a very abundantly clear what God was wanting to say to me and what he wanted me to hear, and it was a very simple statement, and it's this, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And so I stopped and I started thinking, man, God, you sound a lot of like Chris Kermode right now. <laughs> Y'all who don't know Chris Kermode, he's one of our elders, and he says that all the time. If you see him on Facebook, the best is yet to come. But as I walked through this, this podcast that I accidentally stumbled on and started listening to, um, it, it started getting tuning my heart, fine-tuning my heart. And God's okay, listen, this is what I want you to hear. The best is yet to come for vertical, and here's why. I said, oh, okay, now you got my attention, right? The best is yet to vertical, and here's why. And so as, as we walk through this series together, church, is I start pulling together what God has been revealing to me and showing me, and through his word, it is my hope that this phrase, the best is yet to come, becomes something more than you just hear me say. It becomes something more that, that you just read on his screen. But as we walk through this series together as his church, this phrase become a, becomes a vision for you. Right, A vision for your life that the best is yet to come. A vision for this church, vertical church, that the best is yet to come. And that you, you will let God work in you for a purpose inside of you to step into this next season of life, this next season as a ministry, as a church, and commit to be a part of what he's about to do because the best is yet to come. So let me start off with a story. I heard a story about this man who would go to work every day. And every day at lunchtime, he would go to the break room and he would take out his lunch bag and he would sit down and eat his lunch. And on Monday, he went to the break room, he grabbed his lunch bag, he sat down, and he started getting ready to eat, and he pulled out a bologna sandwich, a bag of chips, an orange, and a drink. The next day, next day, he came in, went to work, lunchtime came about, he came in, grabbed his lunch bag from the refrigerator, sat down, he opened his bag, and he pulled out a, a bologna sandwich, a bag of chips, an orange, and a drink. And then it was Wednesday. Wednesday came along. He went to work, did his thing in the morning. Lunchtime came, and he grabbed his lunch bag one more time, and he sat down, and he opened the bag, and he looked in his bed, and he started getting a little bit frustrated 
Because what he started pulling out of his bag was a bologna sandwich, a bag of chips, an orange, and a drink. And his coworker that sat across from him started noticing the frustration on his face. But then Thursday came. Thursday came. He came into the break room. He grabbed his lunch and he looked inside of his bag. He opened his bag and he said, okay, uh, I have a bologna sandwich, a bag of chips, an orange, and a drink. And at this point, he was extremely aggravated. Aggravated. He's like, He's looking at him and he's like, what is going on? You could see it all over his face, his body language. He's sitting right there and his coworker looks at him and says, hey, hey, brother, why don't you just ask your wife to pack you a different lunch? To which this guy looked at him and said, listen, dude, you leave my wife out of it. I pack my own lunch. I wonder, I wonder if sometimes that's how we live life. I wonder if we look all around us in life and we grab a hold of the craziness of culture and bring it in. I wonder if we look around and we grab a hold of the hurt from the past, that we fuel ourselves with frustration. We hold on to bitterness and anger. We stare and look and focus on the negative and negative alone. And we let the darkness settle in the corners of our hearts. I wonder if that is what we fill our bags up in life with. So that every day, that when our feet hit the ground, we open the bag to start our day of life and all we feel is frustration. All we experience is anger and hurt and pain because that's what's in our bag. Here's the bottom line, friends. We still pack our own lunch. What, what you put in the bag of life is what your life will be. What you put in your bag of life is what you will believe to be true. What's in your bag will be your focus. It will be what you experience every single day. Because we put it there. And we open it. And look in. And that's all we feel or experience in life. So as we walk through this series, we need to take a hard look about what's in our bag. Come on, we need to look at what's in our bag. What are we filling our lives with? What's taking up the headspace? What's winning the mental war of our minds? What's controlling our conversation? Come on, if we want this phrase, we want to believe and live this phrase out, the best is yet to come for my life, the best is yet to come for this church, what we put in our bag needs to be different. So what I want you to do right now, everybody got that little handy damn bag? I want you to open your bag with me, come on. Those who thought it was a barf bag when you came in, there was like 10 of you. Open your bags. Everybody open them up. Get them wide open. I see some of you not opening your bags. 
This is an all skate. I just dated myself. Everybody got your bags open? Hold them up. Start dumping. Turn them over. Turn them over. Empty. Empty your bags for the next four weeks. Dump out the past. Dump out the hurt. Dump out the pain. Dump out the doubt. Dump out the fear. Dump out what's holding you back from God moving you forward. Dump it out. Hey, shake it. Come on. Shake it. Because there's things that you want to hold on to that are stuck at the bottom that need to go. Come on, shake it. It's time to empty the bag. All right. Now let's turn it back over. Now that our bags are empty. Now that our bags are empty. For the next four weeks. We're going to be digging into God's word, his truth, and start filling our bags of life with truth. Truth that points to, that becomes a foundation for us to believe in, to live the, the best is yet to come for your life. For your life, for your life, for your life, for my life, and for us as a church. So I believe the first reason the best is yet to come is this simple statement right here on the screen. God is still powerful. The best is yet to come because God is still powerful. God is what? Powerful. Still powerful. There is nothing outside what God can do. And that is a truth that you and me as his children need to shove into our lives so we can believe it and live it, become a foundation of who we are, how we live, and what we do this day forward as a church. Amen? Amen. All right, sweet. Let's get into this. Open your Bibles if you would. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. If you grab an orange Bible on your way in, you will find it on page 8. Page 8. And if you grab the Bible in and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take that. That's our gift to you. That is our gift to you. We desire for you to have a copy of God's Word in your hand. Genesis chapter 12 starting in verse 8. As we get into chapter 12, this is what's known in the church world as the call of Abram. Call of Abram. He's, he, later on, he's known as Abraham. God was getting ready to get something started, getting ready to reveal his power, his purpose in Abram's life and the lives of his people. So if you have your Bibles open, your, your Bible app, whatever you're using, or you don't have anything, you can look on the screen. Let's look at chapter 1, starting at ver chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, into the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Let's just stop right there. 
If you and I actually stopped and looked and read those verses at face value to understand what just took place, that would absolutely blow our minds. Because we just read that the creator of the universe, creator of the, the heavens and the earth, and everything in between, stepped down and had a conversation with mankind and, and laid out a promise. He threw it on a promise to him, I will make you a great nation. All people will be blessed through you. God came down and spoke to Abram, and he threw down a promise. Church, I believe the best is yet to come because God is still powerful. And the one way God reveals his power, he displays his power because he keeps his promises. And he just threw down a promise to little Abram. Said, listen, I will, I will do this. Psalm 145, verse 13, he says, Your kingdom is everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all his what? In all his promises and faithful in all he does. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for no matter how many promises God had made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ, so through him, the amen is spoken by who? Us! To the glory of God. The best is still yet to come, because God is still powerful, and God displays his power by keeping his promises. And the one, the way that we, we as individuals, we as followers of Jesus, we as a church can reveal God's power in our lives is simply to step into the promise. You and me, we will step into the promise. God called Abram out and said, I have something more for you. God called Abram out and said, I have something better for you. Friends, God is still doing that. We need to step into the promise. God is still doing that. He is calling people out to himself. He's calling people out to something more. He's calling people out to something better. And he's doing the same for his church. He says, I'm calling you out, church, to something more, to something better. Maybe... Maybe there's a few of you in this, room, in this room that putting in the power of God in your life simply starts by you stepping into the promise of salvation. Yeah. Stepping into the promise of salvation. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Romans 10, 9, 10, 9 and 10, was verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, profess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him dead, he says, you will be saved. And when you believe that and you profess and surrender your life, man, that is stepping into the promise of salvation. That's where it starts. That's keeping the main thing the main thing. Stepping into the promise of salvation. 
In order to do that, there needs to be a point in your life when you realize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And you come to the point, you're like, I can't get to God by my own. I'm going to stop, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. That is stepping into the promise of salvation. That's what the church is all about. That's what this church is all about, vertical church. That God has given us all these blessing of opportunities. Maybe you're here because you were invited. That God has given these opportunities that were at work or at school. To take people who are far from God and share the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes everything. And just as Jesus threw down a promise for humanity that you will be saved, he also threw a promise down for his church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will, I will, there it is, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, the rock that, that, that Jesus was talking about was actually in the previous verse where Peter says, that God, you are the Messiah. That's the truth, the rock, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one, he is the Savior, he is the head of the church. And when Jesus was thrown down, he was throwing a promise that what he builds can't be torn down. What he got going can't be stopped. What he's, the promise he's thrown down is God is unstoppable. His purposes are unstoppable. His church is unstoppable. I will build my church. There is nothing, there is nothing that Satan and his minions, there is nothing that, that the world or society or culture that can throw at it or put in front of it that can stop it. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Why? Because God is still powerful and he keeps his promises. And so when Jesus said, I will build my church, friend, church, let me just tell you what, he will build his church. And if we, as a church, vertical church, desire to be a church that Jesus keeps on building and using, that means we need to step into the promise. We need to step into promise. That means we need to be laser focused on our mission that he's given us to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to step into that promise that he will build because what we're doing is his mission. Actually, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, you can see it on the screen. It says, then Jesus came and said, all authority, I love how he puts that, all authority, right? All authority, heaven and earth, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is the mission or the great commission that Jesus gave his church. That is the mission of vertical church. We are called to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And any church that has that as its foundation will be a church that Jesus will use and it will be a church that Jesus will build. That's why we will never, ever deviate that is our mission. 
to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to step in to that promise that Jesus will build his church. The second part of this, we don't just step into the promise. We need to believe the promise. We need to believe the promise. We need to believe what God wants to do in our lives and what he wants to do in his church. Look at, if you have your Bibles open, flip to Genesis chapter 15. We're looking at verse 1. God came to Abram a second time. A second time. Look at this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield. I am your great reward. But Abram said to the sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Childless. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer from Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He, he took him outside and said, look up, <laughs> look up, look at the sky and count the stars, and if deed you can count them. And then he said to them, so shall be your offspring. And it says, Abram believed in the Lord and accredited him as righteousness. Church, God came to Abram a second time. He came to him a second time and he proclaimed his promise. He told Abram, he said, listen, 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 go out, look up, count the stars if you can, which you understand that he can. I don't know about you, but I go outside and I get lost after like seven right? Go out there and count those stars, which you can't. That is how much I'm going to bless you be through your heirs, be your body a great nation. I'm going to bless you more than you can ask or imagine. And then what does it say? This is Abram believed, right? Abram believed in what God was saying, and they put him in a right standing with his creator. So he believed and then put him as righteous. It means, okay, I'm in a right standing with God. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to trust what God has called me to do. But when you go home today and you keep on reading, you read chapter 16, go read your Bible, church. You will read that even though they believed in God's promise, Abram and Sarai got a little impatient. You read they got a little impatient and they took matters in their own hands. And Sarai, who wasn't pregnant yet, had in her mind, said, listen, I'm going to give you my maidservant, Hagar. I'm going to give him to, her to Abram. And then she is going to give us a child. Listen. God is still powerful. And as we step into his promise, we need to believe in his promise. And one of the ways that we, be, we, we believe is to wait. One of the ways we believe in his promise is to wait. Flip over to Genesis 16, chapter 16, verse 16. It says, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 
86 years old. They became tired of waiting on God, and they ran ahead of God to do things in their own power. 11 years had passed. 11 years have passed. I get tired of waiting after two days. 11 years had passed, and they decided to take things in their own power, went on their own power and not God's power. Church, we don't like to wait on God, do we? I mean, we're being a little honest this morning. Come on. We don't like to wait on God. We like to step into our own ways. We like to run. We like to desire. We like to plan everything in our timing. There's one thing that I have learned, if there's one thing I've learned through life and ministry, is that if not by God and is done by man, it will fail. It will fail. It will never be what God had planned it to be. I mean, come on. How many times have we seen this play this out in our own lives? That we're tired of waiting on God. We've been praying for 37 minutes, and we would expect the miracle by the end of it. Right? And so we just go and do what we want to do, take things in our own control. How to end up? See, what we forget is that while we're waiting, God is still working. While we're waiting, God is still working. And when we go off and do things in our own power and our own plan and our own strength, we're probably causing more problems. Hagar and Ishmael became a point of contention. They became a problem between Sarah and Adam because they didn't wait. They went and did their own thing. Fast forward, fast forward about a dozen years. A dozen years, look at this, Genesis chapter 17. Keep on flipping your Bibles to the right, right? Genesis 17, starting at verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, stink, Woo! the Lord appeared to him and said, I am a mighty God, God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between you, me and you, and you will be greatly increased in your numbers. Okay, just stop right there. We're 23 years, 24 years away from when God showed up in chapter 12 and revealed the promise. Abram's 99 years old. And God's saying he's still going to have a kid. I was 28 when we had our first son. That was tough then. Abram and Sarah stepped out in their own direction. And then God let them deal with some of the issues that they caused by doing it in their own power, their own plan, their own direction, and all that they wanted to do for themselves. And then he steps back in and reveals the promise a third time. Now, I told you once, I told you twice. You went and did your own thing. Now I'm telling you a third time. But I got to tell you, he did more than that. If you continue reading verse 3 on the screen or in your Bibles, it says, Abram fell face down, and God said to him, as for me, 
This is my covenant with you. You'll be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I've made you to be a father of many nations. Drop down to verse 15. It gets even better. God also said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. You're to call her Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. God did not only stop in for a third time to remind them of the promise. During, during that process, he made changes along the way. So as you and I want to believe in the promise of what God has for our lives and for his church, and while we wait, while we're waiting, we need to let God change us along the way. We gotta let God change us while we wait. When it comes to Christ, when you come to the point of our lives, when we stop and surrender and make Jesus the Lord of life, man, there's a, there's a radical change right then. I mean, it's instant. The old you is gone, the new you is here, 2 Corinthians 5 17. But it doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we've started the race with journey with Jesus. There's work to do. We are a work in progress. And if we let him, if we let him while we wait, let him step into our lives. Let him step into our lives by reading his word, by talking to him in prayer. He will mold us. Make us more like his son and less like the world. For Abram and Sarah, it was a name change for a purpose. Abram means the exalted father. His name was changed to Abraham, means father of nations. Sarai meant, meant princess. Her name was changed to Sarah, means she was the mother of nations. It wasn't just a name change, it was a change for our purpose, what God was going to do in them and through them for his kingdom. For us in Jesus, we also had a name change. If you dig into scripture, it says we are an enemy of God in our minds. Then we give our life to Jesus, we become a child of God. That's a change. That's a name change. But when, when, when our name was changed, we were brought into the fold. In his body of Christ, there was a purpose change. It wasn't just to make us like a rich to being a child. No, it was rich to be a child that gave me a purpose. He gave us a purpose. To be a light into a dark world that needs Jesus Christ. Take hold of every opportunity he gives us. We've got to let them change us while we wait. Growing people change. Growing people change. That's one of our core values as a church. Growing people change. As we grow, we change. We become more like Jesus and less like the world. That's the same for churches. Growing churches change too. 
We have to. God has purposed his church, this church, to grow and to change and to become a salvation-saving station for his kingdom. I know, I, and I like that. I said change, and everybody's smile went off their face. Because no one likes changes. We don't like changes. Change is tough. Like things the way they be. My, my coffee goes off at 5.30 in the morning, so I come out, it's ready to go. Right? I come out, it's not done. That's a change. Who didn't start the thing? <laughs> it was me. But anyways, I can be mad at myself, right? We don't like change. We like in a rhythm and a pattern. We like things the way they've always been. But we have to see what God was doing in their lives. He was setting Abraham and Sarah up for something absolutely amazing. And if you continue to read through the book of Genesis, you're like, what in the world? Then Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Read them all. Read your Bible. It was something happening that God was setting up for. They couldn't accomplish on their own. They couldn't do it themselves. They had something more impact that God could step in, they could ever dream of. And I believe that's God who is still powerful, who's able to do more than we can ask or imagine, is getting ready to do here at Vertical Church. I believe we've been waiting. We've been waiting. But are we letting God change us in the process and for the preparation for the purpose he called for us as a church? Not long after this, God wasn't done. God showed up to Abram a fourth time. I mean, come on, God, four times? I know I need to be told some things twice because I don't hear it the first time. Third time, okay, but four times? This is getting a little annoying, God. But he showed up a fourth time. This time he came with two others. And Abram saw the Lord and he scrambled and then Sarah went and made something to eat for them to sit down and eat. And they asked, where's Sarah? Where's your wife? And Abram responded, and she's in the tent. And you, you have to see what was shared next. Look at this, Genesis chapter 18, flip another chapter, starting at verse 10. And one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and, Abraham and Sarah were already very, very, very old, and, and Sarah <laughs> was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah, what? Look what she did. She laughed. She laughed to herself and thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, talking about Abraham, now I will have this pleasure. Let's just stop there. Sarah heard the good news that what was to come, that God stepped in for a fourth time, said, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to fulfill my promise. And she laughed. She laughed in disappointment and maybe in disbelief. Like, come on, go on. It had been 24 years. 
And Sarah did not born Abraham a son to start the promise of the great nation. 24 years. I wonder. I wonder if when I shared the best is yet to come for your life, if you laughed inside. Like, come on, boy. Whatever, Rich. You don't know what I'm facing when I walk out those doors. I see, I, I believe in God's promises, but you know, come on, come on, really, really. I've been walking this for, through for years. I have people in my life, family members who won't accept Jesus. I've been praying them, sure, 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 the best yet to come, that you laughed. I wondered if I said the best yet to come for vertical, if some of us chuckled under our breath. Like, come on, Rich, really? You think that? Come on, you know. Then I wonder what's in your bag. What's in your bag? If you chuckle and think, no, that's not for me. I don't seem to see for our church. What's in your bag? Did you not dump out the stuff that was holding on the bottom? Is your bag filled with things that you've been holding on to that's been holding you down in life? Jesus made it really clear, man, he wants to have life, life to the full. That means abundant life, the best possible life. Check what's in your bag. I wonder if we've been laughing in, in disappointment and disbelief what God can do in this church. I wonder if we're unwilling to change for the purpose he's given us what he has best for us. See, I love this. I love this. God next pushes back on Sarah's laughter. He pushes back. He hears it because he's a God and he's awesome. He's all-knowing. He can see everything, knows everything. He's pretty powerful. I think I've said that, right? He saw her laughter and then he leads us to a question that you and I need to answer. We need to answer. Look at Genesis 18 verses Verses 13 through 14. He says, The Lord said, Abram, why did Sarah laugh when I said, when I say, I will really have a child? I will I really have a child and that I am old? The verse 14, this is it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Is there anything too hard for For the Lord, church. Let me ask you again. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything God can't do in your life? Is there anything God can't do in his church? Is there anyone too far God that God can't save? Is there any community that God can't transform with the gospel? No. There's nothing too hard for our mighty God. The best is yet to come because God is still powerful. And he keeps his promises. There is nothing outside of his power. And what we need to do is stick that truth in our bag. And every time we doubt, every time we want to hold on to pain, 
Every time we feel like we're fading away, like we don't need to show up at church to be a part of what God is doing. Every time we're holding on to that frustration. Every time we're looking at our current circumstances in our home or our work or school, the people we're dealing with. Every time. And we need to pull that truth out of our bag and say, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. God is so powerful. The best is yet to come. Because nothing is too hard for the Lord. And then, he thought I was done. <laughs> and then, we see the promise fulfilled. Right? We can't, if he keeps his promises, man, we got to see it fulfilled. we got to see God bring, God bring this into completion. Turn your Bibles again backwards a couple more chapters to chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 1. Look what happened. Now the Lord was gracious. He was gracious to Sarah as he said, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had what? The Lord did for Sarah what he had what? They stepped in. They waited. Not so good. Not so good. They let God change them. And God's power was made perfect, perfect by him fulfilling his promise. Church, that is our God. You have, you have to see what happens next. Look at verse 6. Sarah said, my God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears this about this will laugh with me. Sarah who had been waiting 24 years for God to bring this promise. The 25th year came. The promise came to fulfillment through, through the God who keeps his promises. And she used to laugh in disbelief and disappointment, but now she's laughing in pure joy. <laughs> I once doubted, and look what God did. Same for us. We once doubted. Look what God did. Look at the lives that he's changing in his church. Look at our community, how we're reaching our community for Christ. God is the same God today as he was yesterday. And he'll be the same tomorrow as he is today. He is never changing. He is still powerful. He keeps his promises. And all his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. This is a truth, church. It can't be shaken. It can't be broken. It can't be disproved. The best is yet to come for vertical church. The best is yet to come for you in your life. I believe this with everything inside of me. But God is something crazy amazing on the horizon for us as a church. I believe that he's going to give us more opportunities in front of us to reach more people for Christ than we've ever experienced before. But it's going to take us as a church emptying our bag of the junk that we're carrying that's holding us down and filling it with all the truths of what God wants to do and can do in us for his purposes and personally stepping in and making a kingdom difference. So when you leave today, 
you're going to get one of these prayer cards. The best is yet to come. And on the back of this prayer card is a verse to memorize. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Not only is he telling us to read our Bibles, now he's telling us to memorize it. A, a verse to memorize and a prayer to pray. I'm going to ask you, church, to join me as we walk through this series. And every time, every week, you're going to get a new card telling us why God is so powerful. And I'm going to want you to take this out every single day. Next week, you're going to get two. So you can do two verses and memorize, two prayers to throw out there. Let's walk through this together. And the verse is Genesis 18, 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I think we got that one. Come on. And the prayer that I threw in here, God, I stop today and recognize your power and your authority over all things. Nothing is too hard for you. You fulfill your promises. I lift up your church and ask you to do more than we can ask or imagine. Lead me to do my part in making a kingdom difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. That's the prayer. Every day. Pull this out. Memorize and pray. And then what you're going to do is you're going to put it back in. And for the next three weeks, you're going to bring your bag with you. Because the next three weeks, we are going to continue to stuff our bags. Why I believe how God is really clear in his word why the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We th we're so thankful that you are so powerful. Nothing compares to you and never will. God, as we walk through this series, I pray, Lord, that you continue to push within us to fight against the stuff that we're trying to hold on to that's been holding us up, that's in our bag. And the reason why we're waking up angry, frustrated, or doubtful, or fearful, God, help us remove that. Get it gone. It doesn't belong. And I pray that we're getting into your word and memorizing your word of truth, and we're shoving that into the bags of our lives. That every day we wake up when our feet hit the ground, we say God is still powerful. The best yet to come because God is still powerful. Nothing is too hard for my Lord. Nothing that I'm facing as I go to school. Nothing I'm facing as I head to work. Nothing I'm facing when I'm dealing with my neighbors. Nothing that I'm facing. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Let that be the cry of our hearts, Lord. And nothing's too hard for the Lord when it comes to your church. Jesus, build your church. We pray that you build a church here through us. Allow us to be your instruments, your hand and feet, to be the light to this community, surrounding townships for your glory. Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, church, before you, before you walk out the door, I've got one more, one more thing for you. Can I ask uh, Pastor Andreas and Kara to come up here before we run out? Elders and wives, would you come up and join me up here? That'd be awesome. So yesterday, uh, we had an ordination council here for Andreas. Uh, he's been walking through 
building his doctrinal statement and life and ministry and what he believes in theology, and we've been walking through with him. And yesterday we met as the elder boy. I'll just speak louder. Oh, there it is. There you go. Uh, we met as an elder board. We had uh, several area pastors. Uh, we didn't make all. Uh, we challenged. We minister gospel through vertical church. Um, is it on? There you go. And so I'm just going to ask you, we're going to pray over Andreas this morning. Would you stand and pray? This is an amazing moment for a young man of the, man of the truth. Uh, that's one of the things we do is we lead people to Christ. We lead them to become gospel preachers uh, for the kingdom. And that's exactly what he's done for Andreas. And we're stoked to have him and Kara with us as part of our family. And I can't look at him. I start crying. Um, and um, I just uh, pray that that you will lift them up and continue to lift them up as they live this out for God's glory, not their own. All right? Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this morning. God, I thank you for this opportunity just to be here, my brother and sister in Christ. You know, I thank you for what you purpose in their hearts to reach people with the message of hope, to be a light in a dark world, to challenge what the world is throwing at them with the word of truth. Thank you, Lord, for burrowing in their hearts to be those people in this world that's very tough. Thank you for calling Dre to ministry. Thank you for blessing him with his wife, Kara. God, they have been here four months, and it's a blessing to watch them work with our, with our teens and how they're investing in other people's lives and an opportunity to work side by side with him as we reach his community for Christ. God, today we lift them up to you, not just myself, not just the elders and, and our wives, but the whole church. We lift them up to you and ask you to, Lord, to continue to work in them in a mighty way. Flex your power, Lord, through them in their lives. Show them how they can continue to grow. Show them how they can draw closer to you by in word and just celebrating what they have in you. Show them how they can have bigger impact for you, for the kingdom, and those around them that you have placed care at a school. A lot of little kids who probably don't know you. Let her be a light. You know, Andreas, Andreas in this community, let him be a light. But today, God, we celebrate. You know, we, he's been ordained as a gospel, the minister of Jesus Christ, and we celebrate that truth today. We lift it all up to you. We lift them up to you. Protect them. Because as they move forward, Lord, your, our, your enemy, our enemy, will try to cut them down. So as a church, we lift up prayer for, to protect them. Do not let the things of this world get in their way from what you have called them to do. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.